you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. As the complete Northern Exposure box set. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Now, if you're a fan of the show and you know the history of the show, paying attention over the last month or so, all of our money drops have been Chris Wessling themed, um, our good friend who passed away uh, February 5th. And uh, Northern Exposure, Wes, I mean, as, uh, as Mark Sessler would say, wrote sea poems about Northern Exposure. And he said it was one of the... Truly greatest um, television programs. I believe it was like a half drama, half comedy. I never saw it. It was a CBS show. And I don't know if I've ever watched a show on CBS that wasn't sports uh, or 60 Minutes. And and Northern Exposure was a show that was so near and dear to Wes's heart. And because of that, I I have wanted to watch it Um, even even before Wes passed. It it piqued my uh, curiosity because Wes had such great taste in pop culture. Um, however, it's one of those shows that never pops up and you can never find it. Um, so it remains a bit of a mystery. But um, I believe a listener at some point sent West the full box set or it was some type of ripped off somewhere uh, of Northern Exposure. So I guess there's a big underground contingent for that program. I think it's got it's a definitely a cult hit. I used to watch it periodically, but I, I like Wes was a true expert, but it was it took place. You know, in a small little town, very quirky. I think there was the main character. In Alaska, had a, right? Yeah, he had a radio show, among other things. Um, but I don't want to do the memory of it wrong. But I, I do think that the box set came. There was a, there was some sort of marketing um, distribution snag with Northern Exposure, so it was hard to obtain. And so, yes, because of the West, soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack. Listener, so. Yeah, they can't yeah. get the rights to the soundtrack. Well, I I was just. It's funny. I was just thinking about this last week for some reason about Northern Exposure. It's because it was like 
Wes's life in some way before it happened. Uh, I don't know if he watched it before it happened, but it's like Tybee was his Alaska. His when I mm. went when we went down there and I met his totally diverse and um, wacky group of friends, which all had their own little flavor. Like, that was the northern exposure. The guy in the show is like the fish out of town, and he ends up having a radio show. There's a little bit of West, too. I mean, that didn't happen until L.A., but it was like he loved collecting characters, and I think that's what that show was all about, everyone kind of doing their own thing. You know, our our deep Hollywood connection, Mike Berkowitz, if you're listening, Berkey, uh, and I know you know you don't typically work in the television realm, but this sounds like a television show idea. Set it in Tybee. Maybe we star. Maybe it's our chance at a star vehicle in prime time. It's just throwing it out there as an option. You know, something to think about. The NFL, Speaking, the NFL fires us, and we all move to Tybee. <laughs> our backup plan is a sitcom on CBS. Um, speaking of the Wesslings, Phil Wessling. Uh, all the Wesling boys that we've met are uh, stand-up dudes and, you know, a little left of center themselves, some of them. Uh, you know, quirky characters and interesting people. Uh, Nick Wesling, of course, was on the show, another Wesling brother, talking trash about cornhole. I wasn't too impressed when I when I took him on in Tybee, <laughs> and I hope to have a rematch when we get back to Tybee. Although he kind of wiped the floor with you. I mean, Yeah, who won? I, I have was... to be, I have to, you know. It's not really there. how I remember it, personally, uh, but, uh, you know, opinions vary, I guess, or facts vary. The, the score, I mean, the scoreboard does not disagree, though. I mean, it was... This, here's the thing. and <laughs> Won it solidly. You know, let's stick a pin in it, because I'd rather have Nick here to talk about it, but we did this hype up to the big cornhole match, and then it was on the day of Wes's wedding, and, like, we were wearing tuxedos and stuff. It's like, no, no, I want to have a couple drinks, I want to be loose, let's do this the right way. I thought that Nick kind of... He set that up in a certain way that would benefit him. Anyway, that's for another conversation. <laughs> Phil Wessling texted me uh, yesterday. Hey, check this out. Sends me a link. He knows that we are junkies for sports media. Uh, and he sends me a link to the great Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, who's their media critic. Drew Brees edition means end is near for current Sunday night football booth. Hello. Catnip for the ATN podcast. <laughs> so, so he had to send out the old ATN bat signal to get Andrew back on the show for a return engagement, and he will join us a little bit later. But before that, let us uh, get to the latest news in NFL free agency. Let's start. Again, there are some name brands that are out there that you would think uh, would, oh, they would they would come off the board immediately, but whether it be age or the market not being what they want. They remained on the board longer than you expected. Uh, one of those people, Patrick Peterson, the former All-Pro with the Arizona Cardinals, who's been a little up and down in recent years. He is now uh, joining a new team. It's the Minnesota Vikings on a one-year deal. Uh, so Peterson gets a fresh start after, I think it was close to a decade in the desert. Um, and Greg, we'll start here. Is he... Is this this version of Patrick Peterson? And it feels like he's, oh, he's 35 and this is the end of the road. No, he's 30 years old. He's going to be 31 when week one hits. Is he a big upgrade to Minnesota secondary or a question mark? He's a question mark. The price tag indicates they think he's a big upgrade. They didn't have much there last year. They went really young and it didn't work. That was the weakness of their entire team, I would say, more than anything, was their cornerbacks. Mike Zimmer is kind of the veteran cornerback 
Svengali, he gets he got Terrence Newman to keep playing until he was 39. Like, he's helped a lot of defensive backs. That's what I think of when I think of Mike Zimmer. So it's a great fit for Patrick Peterson. Maybe the, the role is somehow um, better there for him. But he's a guy who, you know, was on the Hall of Fame path, still has a chance, I think, uh, a solid one. Um, but because he was that number one cornerback, he he was like left to do a lot in Arizona, and if you watch the Cardinals, you you, you got to be real. He was getting lit up quite a bit. I mean, he struggled, and the PFF grades certainly reflect that. He was asked to do more, but he was getting lit up the last two years, and he got suspended during that that stretch, true, which too. is not a great a great thing. I think if you look at every Mike Zimmer cornerback room, and he's had a lot of stops before Minnesota too. That there were always one or two older veterans who were like awesome leaders and kind of set the tone and they had their room is really young i mean remember last year they wiped out that entire group and started over essentially so if anything maybe it's a come in like make sure these guys are doing their work right and maybe we get a good year out of you but i i think it's a question mark for sure i agree with greg he has a chance now on the one-year deal to to rejuvenate his career maybe some it's one of those changes scenery things we'll see um or is it the beginning of the end uh, in other news, the Washington football team uh, continues to make moves. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick locked and loaded as their week one starter, most likely. We'll see. Hope the old rug doesn't get pulled out on Fitzmagic. Uh, and now they have a great weapon added to the mix. They signed Curtis Samuel, formerly of the Panthers, three years, $34.5 million. $24.5 of that is guaranteed. So I'll say it's a two-year deal for $24.5 million. Something I think like that's that. right. Yeah. Um, all right. So this uh, this is a good this is a good one, Mark, uh, for Washington, a team that needs juice. They need you know we all know what's on the defensive side of the ball, and and there's a lot of potential there, and we actually saw that potential uh, come to life during their uh, run to the playoffs. It was a limp to the playoffs, but they got to the playoffs. Now we're starting to see some pieces on offense to make this team more interesting. I think it's one of the teams that. You just feel differently about where we, from where we were a week ago. And I mean, yeah, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick and maybe that's a one year thing, but Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of fits with Curtis Samuel, who, you know, when Cam Newton was in Carolina, they kind of struggled to get Curtis Samuel lit up. Joe Brady shows up last year and they used him really well. And he was the only wide receiver in the league or player in the league with 800 yards receiving 200 on the ground. He was a jet sweep master. They used him in the backfield a bunch, but now he goes back. To young Turner, Scott Turner, who maybe <laughs> didn't Turner. use him as well in Carolina. So my question is, can Ron Rivera and Scott Turner learn from what Joe Brady and the Panthers did last year? I mean, you've got Terry McLaurin there. I think Logan Thomas is really interesting. Cam Sims, Antonio Gibson. So you can start to see, for the first time in a really long time, an interesting offensive core starting to build. And I love this addition. Who, who named him Young Turner? Was that Michael Irvin? Akib Tlaib oh, on, uh, Tlaib. during one of his... Young uh, Turner. Yeah. yeah, he's just... Yeah, Jihad. That, that hurts. That makes sense. I'm I'm excited to watch the Washington football team for the first time. Okay. I don't know. I don't know when. Have I ever been excited to I watch know, You've them? not been their ally. I mean, no, for, I, for I, I, I've long said on this show, like 30 fan bases are like, you, you hate my, you know, you hate my team. You hate my team. And I'm like, well, you're, you're all wrong. Um, except for Washington. No, you're right. I, I do uh, I do not like your team. Just in general, just how it was run, and it's been tough to watch. It's like a one-two punch. Um, but now Fitzmagic, McLaurin I love, 
Gibson I love. I did like watching them last year because I thought the defense was fun and they were starting to get things going, but they were really limited at quarterback. So now you get Fitzpatrick, get Samuel, who's a lot of fun to watch, uh, used as a running back and stuff. You think Turner will do that quite a bit? Like, this will be good. You got you got like two guys, I was just thinking about it, with Gibson and Samuel who can basically play two positions if you want. I stated definitively last week on this podcast that I will not be picking the Dallas Cowboys to win the division. That's and okay. I was worried uh, about this possibility of uh, August rolling around and all the other teams potentially sucking. But after the Fitzpatrick move, after the Samuel move, I, I am starting to feel um, good about the idea of picking another team in the division with some level of confidence. I like the Washington football team. And on the subject of that, a little quiet on the name change front. Uh, I don't know. Was the plan that for the 2021 season that they would I have a new they, nickname? Yeah, I thought they were going to workshop it and not. They, the whole point was don't rush this. It's getting um, late early for 2021. I, I know, but I don't. We I feel like we all kind of agreed that they kind of stumbled into it. There's no other word for it. They stumbled into beautiful uniforms. And I'm kind of cool with the football team. Well, that's what I'm saying. They got to do it this offseason. what's happening here. Right. They got to do it this offseason. The, the timing of it might be. You know, April, May, June, but it, you got to do it by then, or it's too late. The it, it's I, over. I have a theory. If it's going to happen, it will happen right ahead of the draft because it's all about selling merch and showcasing, and you want your you know draft pick to come up on the stage with Rog, and and you want to have that new logo and all that stuff locked and loaded. But uh, if you don't see that, I would wonder if there are serious internal conversations about them staying with Washington football team, which I know that's buzzy to say, just keep it. I'm fine with that too. But you know, I also don't mind. I like uniformity when it's in terms of every team in the league, they got a, that where they're from, they got the nickname now. Oh, you're special because you had a, a an offensive nickname. Now you get to be special. No, go find something new. <laughs> I've come down on the other side, Sessler. Sorry. No, I just like that's the don't go. I don't want, you know, seven months from now, them rolling out with newfangled, bizarre, insane uniforms with like different shades on the helmet. It was just very sparse um, and old school the way they were last year. That's what I'm lobbying for. The name, do what you need to. Right. It's like, let's cheer on the Washington Red Rockets. Or it's like, come on. <laughs> and don't hit me up on Twitter. People are like, oh, let's you say it's on. offensive. I don't say it's offensive. People thought it was that are in the Native American community. Mm -hmm. So just that's the way it is. And you just got to adjust and move on. Come on. That case is closed. Move forward. (laughs) Right. That one. That one's over. You lost. You lose forward. All right. uh, Speaking of the Panthers. Good signing here. Hassan Reddick, the former Cardinal, signs a one year six million dollar contract. Now, I find the way things tend to work in the NFL in this time of year is if you get, if you're a guy that's coming off a double digit sack season, you set yourself up very well to get a big fat contract. Reddick's coming off a 13 sack season. Yes, I understand. I believe five were in one game. Uh, but that is a breakout season by really any standard you'd think. But the contract tells you that the people around the league, uh, or around the NFL were not necessary or our league we're not necessarily sold on reddick uh, reddick as a star uh, that's what this contract tells me greg yeah i think it's like the start of phase two of free agency all those edge rushers got similar contracts and that was the demarcation line it makes me feel good i mean not to make it all about me 
Uh, but it's, it's about, about me. me. I, I I put Reddick well below all those guys too on my rankings. I was like, am I am I sleeping? Why on is him? everyone down on this guy? Because I saw because I saw other you know I saw the athletic our good friend Shield Capati who I think is um, really good at doing this stuff and his picks by the way oh my gosh he like picked like seventy percent against the spread or something wild last year so all credit to Reg him. Is he, he, immediately infatuated I'm just saying uh, I'm trying before I bury him for having Reddick way too high. Uh, because he because he was kind of a problem for four years he was he, they didn't know what to do with him he was a little bit of a bust and you have one year that pops up out of nowhere and oh by the way the Cardinals didn't seem that interested in signing him I I, I was just I wanted to see it again before before you give it to him so the one just thing is he be, was used differently last year he had like fifty six pressures and he had fifty seven the whole rest nice of year. his career had and I guess nice it's year. you know Chandler Jones was out of the mix so your role is going to change but. I mean, that's maybe it's about using him well, but I'm not surprised he didn't get some sort of mega contract. So here's my point, then, uh, if I'm not being clear enough, or maybe I was, and now I'm just talking too much. But Trey Hendrickson, he's a guy that's kind of under the radar for a few years. He has a breakout year. I think he had 13 sacks for the Saints. He gets a, a Tier 1 deal. Reddick, same type of deal. I know he was a more of a premium draft pick, but that might even help his case that he was premium draft stock. He has his breakout year in a walk year. He's in tier two. I don't know. It's fair. I think Hendrickson personally, I always liked him before. Um, I think he was better as a reserve player uh, than people realize. He just was only playing 300, 400 snaps, but he, remi- he reminded me more of a Shaq Barrett. Um which just like never got the chance as much in New Orleans, but always looked good when he got it. Have you ever heard of uh, there's a theory in the you know NBA? Oh, I'm forgetting the name here, but it's essentially like if you're a reserve, like the numbers show if you're a reserve that put up good numbers, if you give the guy more minutes, he usually puts up the good numbers. Right. You know, Greg, dealing with your addiction in your past when in matters of the desert. When you no, see someone, there was, there was no addiction. There was according nothing, to you, nothing. When, when you see someone like Sheil um, hit seventy percent against, it, the it probably wasn't seventy. By the way, by the end of the year, because that would be outrageous. But I was just puffing him up a little. He, did, he, he, he was outrageous. Well. He was outrageous. He was he was great. <laughs> he did very well. Does that is that a trigger for you a little bit? Like maybe there is a way to master this realm. Maybe that I should be I Robert De Niro at the end of uh, casino. Like I living must out there him. with the big thick bottle glasses. Like that's my future. You could topple the odds in a way. Cause you see someone else, a contemporary doing, you the must same vanquish thing. him that you, you it, right. it gets your motor going. You're furious. You're complimenting him. You have an entire show on NFL network. Probably not. Like if, if you made it your whole thing, Maybe it'd be possible to have some advantage over time. I guess I would just, I would want to see it over five years. A year is nothing. You know what I mean? Like anyone can pop, you could pop for a year. And to me, like having an advantage would mean like hitting what, 58 maybe percent over, if you could hit 57, 58% over a five year period, like great, or 60, like you would never expect that to continue. If he did it year after year, a year is almost nothing in in a sample size. You know right. what I Greg mean? is Greg is broadcasting to us that he would like to spend the next. <laughs> let's cut it. No, I'm busy. saying it's spend not the next worth five it. Years hardcore, it's not worth it. Dice rolling because it's it's you know almost entirely luck, and it's not worth the the juice isn't worth the squeeze unless, unless you had shield. unless you had so much. Right, but unless you have like an exorbitant amount of money to put into this and you're willing to do it over like a 10-year period, I don't know. I mean, no, it wouldn't be worth it because I think you might lose it the next year. All right, let me give you one before we move on. Let me give you one hypothetical. Okay. I can 
I can CTC right now. Cut that check. 500 G's to you. Or promise you a scenario in which from this point onward, from your age 41 or age 42 life to whenever it comes to a close, you can hit on 63% of your uh, picks. <laughs> 66, I'll give you. 66% of your picks. Are you taking the 500 Gs or are you uh, walking into the great unknown knowing that two out of three of your picks will always be right? And you can do well, whatever not, you want with it's that. It's not the great unknown. You just told me two out of three picks are right. If somehow I know that's right, you take that because that's infinite. That's an but infinite. But you don't know which. You don't know which of those three is wrong. I guess is another way of putting it. So it's not a. It's not Biff finding the sports almanac in Back to the Future Two. But it, it feels like you're potentially yeah, the, in a big spot. The numbers are on your side, so I'm taking the two out of three. I mean, that's that's just math right there. <laughs> Give me the half a mil. Uh, in other. News. Kyle Long retired, uh, unretired, now signs with the Chiefs, who, uh, Mark, the Chiefs really wanted to remake their offensive line in free agency. Uh, They did not get Trent Williams, their number one target at left tackle. They did not get Rodney Hudson, the center that was eventually traded to Arizona. Uh, They do get Kyle Long. How much of a concern is this, Mr. Sessler, that, that the Chiefs uh, cut their tackles last week? They don't necessarily hit it out of the park here uh, in the free agency portion of the offseason. And you have the you know greatest player in the league behind a potentially leaky offensive line. I, I think it's like in terms of March concerns and March narratives, it is. Because we're fresh off of watching what happened to the most exciting offense in the NFL without those two tackles. And, you know, there is a guy like Orlando Brown Jr. sitting out there who wants to play left tackle on the Ravens and wants a trade. Um, There is the draft, but Daniel Jeremiah, um, and I do, Dan, I do trust what he has to say about uh, the tackle position in the upcoming draft. Well, I'm just telling you that last year, a lot of teams fixed their problems at the tackle position in the draft. It was one of the better ones ever. That's not the case this time. So, you know, there is concern and like you're not going to you're not going to find a better version of what Mitchell Schwartz was two seasons ago. Um, But I do wonder, like, would they ever re-sign Mitchell Schwartz if he stays out there at a reduced cost? Yeah, because he's coming off surgery and it's like maybe they just wanted to say, let's reset the board. You might be back with us. And then you're looking for one guy. It could be Orlando Brown Jr. It could be a draft pick. I wouldn't panic, but, I mean, you don't want to be a team looking for two tackles because finding one is hard enough. <laughs> right. I, I think they, they've had a terrible uh, week. They got Tooney. You know, paying a guard that much money coming from New England, it has some level of risk based on the, the precedent. And I think Hudson or Trent Williams would have been – major gets, even better gets than Tooney, and you went hard after him. You were ready to pay Trent Williams, according to reports, you know, basically the highest paid tackle in the league. I think they probably had that in their mind when they cut Fisher and Schwartz. And I'm with you, Mark. I think cutting Schwartz and Fisher, for that matter, although he might not be ready all season, they probably were thinking on some level, if we swing and miss and we still have cap space, like that is a, a potential route we can go. But Schwartz, it sounds like may not play. You know, he he's deciding whether he's going to play. And Kyle Long was great, but he also hasn't been really Kyle Long in, in about three years. Even the year he sat out, he, there were two years before that where he wasn't really healthy. Meanwhile, on the throne of sleaze, Kyle Van Noy is coming back to town. 
How about that? Got to get the, the Pats back in the show. I know. It's, it's Pat been season. too long. It's been minutes. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, the uh, outside linebacker, who... Uh-oh. Who... Ouch. Ooh. I guess this means that Cam Newton failed Bill Belichick in that scenario. I think so. I mean, they, how about some ownership? I mean, they can't. I mean, they can't take away at this point. I, I still am surprised that people aren't like just lying back and being like, oh, "We're fine. What more do you want? What more do you want?" Remember that old Bill Simmons trope? It's like, oh, you can't complain about a Super Bowl oh, wait for a five years. <laughs> I say we trust them. How great for our planet. Reaching back into the greatest hits, Rosenthal. <laughs> That's Lakeisha saying how great for our planet. <laughs> Go ahead, Greg. I don't even remember at this point. This like, this annoys yeah, me, by the way. Down. I do like they, getting Vinoy back, though. That's let, me, let, me, let me help you with your trainer thought. You were defending Bill Belichick. I'm, I'm no, no, I was saying I this I was saying uh, like ca- calm down with like they need there's no disaster at this point. You just watch the greatest run in football history. Like yeah, but just you're enjoy logical. your life. You're logical. That you know, yeah. that not all Pat, Pat's fans are like that. Right. And, and I, I speak the from expectations. Knowledge. The expectations are through the roof now, which seems stupid to me. To me there's still like a 9 and 7 team over under at, at yeah, it doesn't make me think they're like some world beaters, but that is not going to be the belief. You're it's right. It's just man. it's not how it works. And I I went to school in Boston, so I have a lot of Boston friends. And like, man, the Patriots became the Yankees. And the thing about being a fan of a team like that is you don't ever say, oh, man, I really appreciate what happened there. And now I can just sit back and, and you know look <laughs> at all my old you know game programs and <laughs> and my replica championship ring that I bought and my I'm going to wear my Tom Brady jersey for the next 30 years and just be happy it happened. Uh, that's not really how it works. You just want more. Yeah, you're right. It's the disease of more. I'm trying to I'm spoiled. trying to disconnect. It's like partly just our job. It's like I'd rather just root for football and not have uh, any stress on Sunday. The good thing I know, Dan, that, that, I that as a Yankees fan, you are you are fine at this point to take your foot off the pedal and have them coast to the mediocrity. Hanging around you whenever like a Yankees game is on, you're not plugged in. <laughs> no, you're not I am. Passionate. That's what I'm you're... saying. I'm like I'm one of those people. I mean, you you don't. The Yankees have won one World Series in the last 18 years. Uh, they're they're always competitive, but that's not enough. Once you get to the mountaintop and you stay there for a while, it's like anything else. It's a bit of a sneaky curse, and no one's ever going to feel bad for you. But you don't get to enjoy your team in the same way you once did. It's definitely different. I would um, say the most annoying aspect to this is that the Patriots are, because he went to the Dolphins, Kyle Van Noy, a year ago on a massive contract and got cut, they are about they are getting a fourth-round Comp pick for Kyle Van Noy, who is now back on the team. Yes! It's like Hugh Jackson trading That's great. for Carson Palmer and then going back to the Bengals with the draft picks he got from trading for Carson Palmer from the Raiders. It's just like backwater nonsense. Their defense, to me, is the bigger key. They got, you know, and it's so hard to predict. But they're adding Van Noy and Hightower and Judon, and they're still pretty th- very thin at defensive tackle, but they've got a good looking secondary on paper. That, to me, is the key, because they were really mediocre to bad last year. And if you have a top eight or nine Belichickian-type defense, you got a shot. But but that's a... I I don't know. i got to see it first. The case for Belichick being a little bit on tilt is that 
drafting two tight ends in the third round last year and then signing two tight ends to massive contracts this year. That shows you something's going on. Something's percolating. Whether you want to say it's a good thing or a bad thing, it's very interesting. I think they're they're think very it shows the picks interesting are bad. organization. It shows yeah, the they, picks are bad. Probably. But it's also one year. And listen, we we said it ad nauseum, not just us, everyone in the football cognizante. Last year was a disaster for being a rookie coming into this league. You didn't get an offseason program. You didn't have training camp. You didn't have preseason games. You get dropped into the... To use a war term, you get dropped right into the shit. And now we're we're writing off those guys. I don't know. I'm not. I'm I don't not know. writing. Them I don't off, know anything about them. But I I, I got gotcha, you. But they're they were also what drafted outside like the top ninety or eighty five no, picks or whatever. It. And it's like okay, those guys might not work out. It's like, um, you know, Rob Gronkowski was a late second round pick. Aaron Hernandez was a fourth round pick. You you needed to wait about uh, one week of training camp to realize those guys were the real deal. And right. You, yeah. It's, it's sometimes in covering the sport, like the goalposts move with with something like a third round pick. Sometimes it's treated as well. It's, you know, it's like a top 100 or right around their pick. Then sometimes it's like championship teams are built on third round picks. Like it's I don't know what to believe sometimes. Right. But here I give you an example. Like so the, the Panthers get Jimmy Clausen and say he's our starter. And then a year later you realize uh-uh, this is not going to work, and we have a chance to get Cam Newton. What, what is, or do you stick to philosophy where you're like, no, let's be, let's be well, noble and stick to Jimmy Clausen? That's, I, mean, these I feel two, like that's they, a little different. I mean, that's the well, number know, one overall pick a, Cam was. They spent, a two, they spent a full year with these two tight ends who probably flopped on some level behind the scenes or just aren't going to be who they want to be, so it's like you upgrade. And Bill Belichick is sort of micro-dosing this week and going insane. So I do appreciate you know, Mark is kind of in on the Patriots now. This is a nice turn. It's two two to one here. Mark's I don't in. think I can well I don't it. think you've been paying attention. Mark has always had a he's crush always, on Belichick yeah, always, going back yeah. to the Brown stuff. A little bit. Although I should note Mark, he never wrote you back. The the great piece you wrote, the Belichick letters, all that man had to do was write you back after you wrote that incredible piece on the dot com. Well and maybe you should join me up. on the dark side. He doesn't need to write a media member back. He wrote me when I was like a young naive. But I would say also, Dan, I have been on your side on the Belichick is quietly furious about what happened with Tom Brady. I do believe that. But now that the Patriots are a little, they look more like the Browns of the 90s, you know, with Belichick. Like they're they're not the world beaters. Even if they wind up having a good season or whatever, it'll be like an, a weird, ugly scrap. Now Mark's back in because of that. They're not like the the dynastic Patriots. One of the best uh, one of the best uh, face turns I'll call it in the history of this podcast is when the Patriots uh, got Antonio Brown and Wes, who had long carried the water up and down the hill for Belichick and the Patriots. Uh, turned on them on, in such a way. It brought me so much joy to have Wes on my side for that period. And he never really did make peace with Belichick uh, for the rest of his time on the show. That really, really got in Wes's craw. And to me, when I think back of you know some great back and forth in the history of the show, when the passion was turned to 11 or maybe even too high, Wes turning on Belichick over Antonio Brown's signing, is it's pretty high up there. And like so many things, he had great instincts. I, I do. I in he didn't get a lot of argument either. That it was a it was an embarrassing moment for them, and I think it was a real turning point for what was the final 
season of Tom Brady there. I know they won a bunch of games after that, and then you know they ended up winning twelve. But it really was it. It put a, a a total black mark on Tom Brady's last season and helped to end that. I think he was well, right on point. Was that and on what a you commentary? Were then I don't know. What's up? Was that what you were saying back then? I was saying I was hoping for the best, but uh, I mean, he was in and out in like two weeks. Uh, no, I was saying that this is kind of an embarrassment, but, you know, let's there weren't any a- Antonio Brown defenders. Right. But I would say that like two years ago at this time, we were saying what a great job the Raiders did by signing Antonio Brown and <laughs> how it was going to make a marked difference. And this was the John Gruden offense we're waiting for. Free agency is an absolute ghost. I mean, two years later, look where we are. It's uh, it's right. beyond absurd. Mm. Although I want to push back. Actually, we're going to talk maybe on this on the broadcast I was thinking about. It's like people also need to calm down on on the like spinning free agency like never works. No, but you know what, Craig? Really? Who spent a lot on the Bucks? Because now I'm seeing that. No, I'm seeing that tweet. Those tweets are now starting to pop up. The new it's the new like the new wave of coolness on Twitter is like, actually, let's be real. Free agency does help some teams. And it's like, yeah. All right. There's the, no the there's no right one way to do these. of anything. It's like there are a million different ways, but you can't deny that the Eagles, the Rams, the pa- the uh, the Bucks, and the Chiefs got a lot of their best players by spending a lot in free agency. So like it, it's a part of that. There's like no one right way to skin the cat. All right, let's hit pause on the news and welcome in a very special guest. And here he is. Yes, he is. Uh, the New York Post secret weapon and all things sports media related. Andrew Marchand joins us now to talk about and let, I'll just again, I'm going to read the headline again because I love it. Saucy. I don't think Andrew wrote the headline, but whoever did it captured it nicely. Drew Brees addition means end is near for current Sunday night football booth. <laughs> Maron. OK, so you got Al Michaels, 76 years old. You got Chris Collinsworth in there locked and loaded. But Drew Brees retires, Andrew. He's knocking on the door now. He's already in-house. And, of course, Mike Tirico as well. How is this going to shake out? Well, how it exactly will shake out is still to be determined. But, I mean, when you look at it, Tirico came over five years ago. And when he did, uh, NBC had Thursday night football. So he thought he'd do Thursday night. Uh, Al would do Sunday night. He'd be able to do the NFL still along with the Olympics and, you know, the big money he got. Um, but what happened, NBC lost Thursday night and – when they had it the first year, Roger Goodell wanted uh, the A team to do it. So even though Tariko had done Monday Night Football, they still had Al do it. And then the next year, Tariko got to do it. But then that went away. So he's been waiting to replace Al Michaels, who's uh, still, uh, if not the best, one of the best uh, play by players, even at 76 years old. Uh, so Tariko's winning wins, and Al's contract's up at the end of this year after the Super Bowl, which is in Los Angeles, would be a storybook ending, except. There's no inclination for people I've spoken to that Al Michaels wants to retire. Now, Drew Brees, he comes in. He's going to work with Tariko on Notre Dame football. He's going to uh, do the pregame show on Sunday night with Mike Tariko. Um, so NBC had a conference call on what are we, on Wednesday. Uh, you know, uh, nothing to see here. It's in plain sight. I, I wrote about it last year when I had the Brees going to NBC story about this. Um, you know, now it's even closer. And how it exactly plays out? Could Al get another one-year deal? Uh, it's possible, but I do think Tariko's knocking on that door. Uh, a little impatient, wants to get in there. Um, but Al doesn't want to go anywhere. Collins, mm. obviously, a lot of different opinions about, you know, how good he is, but he's very established. Um, and Drew Brees don't know what he is, but that's their next generation. It's obvious is the plan. I mean, that, there's no question about it. It's a matter of if and when. And, you know, Brees could stick on Notre Dame. Maybe they could blow it up, but... 
but like I, I this is the point. It's clear. I guess my my one question, if you know, the nation we went through as a group, the Jason Witten experience with Monday Night Football. Um, you know, and I get that there are. It, I, I sense that these people have egos that feels um, like part of this. But how do they know when they tout Drew Brees and you know they throw him a big parade as the next guy that's going to do X, Y, and Z? That Drew Brees is going to actually be good at this. Like they hit gold with Tony Romo um, at CBS, and but but to me, like I'm just going to say, like the Drew Brees experience that uh, personality wise. Wonderful guy on some level, but I don't, you know, it's not the first guy I'd pick is like, I want to listen to him um, wax poetic about football games. So is it like they, they've, they've tested him and they know, or they're just like, Hey, it's a big name. we got to roll him into the booth. Yeah. And I want to just point out first off, that was a tremendous job to say wonderful guy. As you're saying, this guy's going to be no good. I mean, just to throw that in there, like, no, he's a wonderful guy, but no personality, not good. I thought that was very well done. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. Drew Brees is a great quarterback, um, wonderful guy, um, and you know, but on some level, translate into the booth. Now, he, yeah, exactly. Does it translate? Well, that, well, that's the question, though. But can he? Here's the thing: these guys basically all know what they're talking about and what to say. It's the ability to take what you have been doing on Sundays uh, for 20 years and being able to make it understandable for idiots like me you know what i mean can you say uh can you explain uh how you're checking off in a different way just to, to understand what the quarterback's seeing you, you know drew breeze has that information in his head now can he do it in an entertaining way and here's the thing to me a lot of broadcasting isn't really what you say a lot of times but how you say it and i would argue yeah romo did have the predictions and all that but the thing that romo did right out of the that is that he's just talking about the game he's very focused on the game and even though sometimes he wavers in not as good at games but like when there's been big games he's into it and he's focused on that and he's enthusiastic about it and i think that's where breeze and it has to be genuine it comes across as genuine so that's where breeze you, you don't know so they answer your question yeah they they don't really know they're guessing you know, they you know educated guesses but there's been many mistakes in the past from Joe Montana to Bill Walsh, um, who are also probably wonderful guys, uh, but not very good in the booth. Andrew Marchand giving us the uh, deep dive on Drew Brees and what comes next. Thank you for joining us, Andrew, and I'll, I'll say goodbye with my favorite Drew Brees quote, maybe ever. And it's, you know, it's, there's a lot through the years where Drew Brees, uh, the way he interfaces with the media, you wonder how genuine he's being with you or if he's just saying the right things. This quote from the press gathering, I'm as excited to be in the booth with Mike Tirico as I was to throw passes to Michael Thomas on Sundays. And that's not enough. He can't just say that. He has to then double down with, I am dead serious when I say that. Okay. All right, Drew. Thank you, Andrew and Marshall. <laughs> it's like, well, Michael Thomas was a pain in the ass. So maybe that was like his way of getting maybe. it. Out. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting quote myself. <laughs> all right, Andrew, thank you so much. And uh, follow Andrew on Twitter and all his stuff on the post. Always good to see you, buddy. All right, there he goes. And apologies. Technical difficulties there. We could not get a good connection, unfortunately, with Andrew. Uh, so we had to jump out of that uh, faster than we wanted to. But uh, at the same time, still talk good to talk about and fun to talk about this drama. Um, Greg, do you buy the idea of Al Michaels uh, – saying goodbye here where do you stand on where al's at right well that you know marshawn had a quote in there where he said al michael's still throwing 93 94 on the black 
you know, as opposed to when he was throwing 100 miles an hour earlier in his career. Al Michaels is like the greatest to ever do it, but I'm not sure I'm with him there. I thought you could see some real decline, almost like boredom, you know, last year. Like Al was not feeling the uh, pandemic. Uh, no. Life. Al loves being at the center of everything. He loves... He loves ratings. He wants as many people to be watching him. He wants to be at the center of the sports universe, and I, I totally get that. It had to be a letdown for him. Still, like and a, a top, lot of people, yeah. Still, like a top, whatever, five, six, seven play-by-play guy at this point. But he, but Tariko on another level, and and some other guys too. And so maybe he goes back to ESPN or whatever. But it's fu- it's really funny because it kind of reminds me of the Drew Brees situation. It's like. If Drew Brees had wanted to come back this year, and there was some talk even when Drew Brees came back last year, there was a little bit of like, "Eh, well, okay, one more, because we feel a little uncomfortable pushing you out the door here. Right. Uh, But now it's the year after, you know, Michaels is going to get his one last year, and then it's, I feel like NBC is going to be like Sean Payton. is like, you you don't have a choice. If you really want to come back, uh, you're going to have to do it with another team. I do love that every time Al Michaels comes up in one of Andrew's articles that he mentions the Oswald, the lucky rabbit trade in which ESPN dealt Michaels to NBC um, in return for this uh, fictional character, a Disney property. And like, I, I wonder if Al Michaels has like an Al Pacino at the end of any given Sunday type of move left in him where you think he's out. And then he says, actually, I'm taking me and someone else to some other network right. and we're going to recreate all this. Go re- go displace um, the Monday Night Football crew. and Which is uh, displaceable. I, I, they seem very nice. Or just, they're, they're in know, flux. It's too bad. It's a bad spot for Steve Levy, but uh, that'd be fine. I mean, he, Michaels is such a titan and he hangs over all of this right now that when you ask Steve Levy about it uh Levy even says and it's in this it's in the article um in an interview with the Athletic if Al decides on a whim that he might it might be fun to go back to Monday night football I'll be like here you go Al what am I going to say to Al Michaels it's which is okay I don't know if that's true or not but it just shows you first of all the deference to a figure he's a titan Al Michaels in the history of uh, broadcasting and, and sports broadcasting, uh, but also like that would be Levy giving up his dream job. I mean, Monday Night Football play-by-play guy, and uh, Andrew also called this. It has, uh, it has Jay Leno Conan vibes right now. If yeah. you know the backstory there, Jay Leno did late night for you know twenty twenty-five years after Johnny Carson retired, and then uh in like 2004, NBC announces that Conan, who was doing the late night show, but after Jay Leno was going to succeed um, Leno as, in the big chair at 11:30, but not for five years, and it created this really weird dynamic. Then it blew up in everybody's faces because then Jay Leno didn't want to leave, and NBC kept him on as well with Conan and submarined everything. Um, you wonder mm. if they're getting into a, a tricky situation here, especially uh, with, with some big personalities, especially yep. with Collinsworth. Big Time stars involved because that's a he's younger and uh, that's a bigger hurdle for that's a big hurdle for Breeze to clear is it would be being better than Collinsworth so unless he's Robo esque which you know who knows note, but side note Conan O'Brien is about 150 times better than Jay Leno who I never found funny on any level yikes no I'm totally I mean I'm a huge Conan Come fan on. um Jay Leno played the game so well that it got to a point where it finally came back and bit him and everybody saw him as you know fake and a phony that would do anything he did the, uh, he had the numbers top. he had the numbers i yep. i was uh 
That doesn't mean he's funny, though. I mean, no, he's no, probably I, funny it, to half of America. I just like, Conan no, O'Brien is weirder and strange. It wasn't. Hair, no, I, I completely agree with you there. I, I spent many um, an afternoon watching The Tonight Show with Jane Leno live as, uh, as a page at NBC, making sure mm. the aisles were clear. That was my job for about four months, watching Jay Leno give the same little... Uh, pre-show speech, which always creeped me out because the inflection in every single word was the exact same every day, and it was just. Kinda, <laughs> was he kind to you? Did he give got, you a gift he, when you left? He, he, well, no, we were pages, so we did not have personal relationships. But there could not have been a more beloved boss, um, and uh, I think everyone there stayed there, and they all got paid, they all got rich off of it, so that makes sense. Uh, but. Every account, um, first person account was he was like the nicest person of all time and a, and a great boss. So you got to give him that. that right. That's important. If if, if that's important. Behind the scenes, Jay Leno stories. Let me share one more before we get back to football. My 29th birthday. Um, it wasn't like I wanted it as a birthday gift, but it just fell that way. My wife was working for NBC at the time and we went to a Jay Leno taping in 2009 and it was at the end of the road now and he's about to leave and it's starting to percolate that Conan is going to take his job we go to a taping I don't remember who the guest was I remember um, Ashley Simpson was the musical guest uh, and I'll never forget he did that that spiel that you're talking about um, uh, Greg and then the show starts and then during a commercial break uh, when you know they're just resetting things, Leno's sitting at the desk, and he has a whole studio audience watching him. And you wondered if the whole moment and the situation with him losing his gig was hanging over him. He just stared straight ahead, stone faced during the entire commercial break. And it's like in a war movie where there's an explosion, and then all you can hear is just a high pitch like. <laughs> That's what I pictured going through his brain. And then it was like, all right, we're back in five, four. And then he turned it back on into a human being. I'll never forget Jay Leno with a thousand yard stare like the guy that oh, saw yeah. too much at war. That's creepy. Watch it, watching that every day, I I got the feeling, and it totally makes sense, is like him during that show was like the equivalent of us like – you know, checking our phone while we're watching TV. It was, he had just done it so many times right. that it was like he wasn't even, didn't even need to be there because he could do it so, so easily. All right. Good Jay Leno talk, guys. Breaking news. Jeremy Fowler and Adam Schefter report former number two overall pick Mitch Trubisky is signing with the Buffalo Bills. There you go, Sessler. Your dream scenario. Trubisky uh, shuddered behind a star quarterback never to be seen or heard from again. Happy birthday. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, I think it's good for Mitch Trubisky. Like, go and hide away for a little bit. And he's young. Who knows what will happen with his career? But I never liked the idea of him being shoved into another starting spot. Um, any team that needs him as a starter is probably in trouble. And it would have been, I just, I don't know. Something, I feel bad for some of these quarterbacks when they fail, even though I ripped them verbally, it's part of our job. If it weren't, if I, if it were just me wandering around town, I wouldn't be tapping people on the shoulders, telling them how annoyed I am by Mitch Trubisky on the Bears. But I love the fact that they're not linked together anymore. Those two needed to separate um, in every possible way. And the Bills, good landing spot. Incredible I mean, I, landing we, spot. Incredible. If we see him, that means total disaster. But 
um, a good place to hide away for a bit and make a, a nice bit of money. But Look, you're not I don't ded dead if Mitch Trubisky enters the lineup like you would be for certain backups. It, it gives you at least a fighting chance if something calamitous happens to Josh Allen. Isn't he automatically one of the better backups in the league? Yes, no. I'm not saying he's he I'm not is buying, an okay backup. I'm not buying that. I'm not necessarily buying that, but I think any backup could potentially look great in Buffalo. Matt Barkley, you go look at when he played, his yards per attempt in Buffalo, like he moved the ball down the field. Like I think that is the most quarterback-friendly system right now with wide-open guys. And Allen's athleticism, you know, is a huge part of that, and Allen – took it to another level that Mitch Trubisky is never going to do. But I don't know. Like If he ends up playing because Allen gets hurt, wouldn't surprise me if you put up some stats in that offense and then suddenly He's got everyone's like, too. I don't, yeah. That's why I don't hate Mitch as a backup. Yeah. Like He can come and he can do a few things. Do I Clearly, you know what I think about him, but I don't hate him it's as a, nice a backup spot. quarterback. It's a nice right. spot. Let's do another breaking news. Why not? I think, this, I think this counts. The Raiders are getting back on the board signing Kenyon Drake. The former Cardinals running back to a two-year contract. Pair him with Josh Jacobs there. Dan doesn't think this was worth well, breaking I, news. I had, I had seen this. Uh, Eric had sent it about 15 minutes ago, and I had that yeah. locked and loaded in 8 o'clock delight. I but, figured. Uh, you've given it the love it deserves, I guess. This was like a franchise tag level player. You're telling me the Jets signed Kenyon Drake to a... Uh, an $11 that's eight million dollar contract. No, you're putting it in the show. Yeah, this guy, eighteen. That's eighteen minutes of delight, is what that. Was. I like- Everything <laughs> needs to be measured against the Jets. This is a uh, this is an eight o'clock delight item to me. People will make fun of the Raiders for this because of the money and it's like, hey, they want to be like a running team. And that, there's there's uh, a fair point to that. I just want to say I like Kenyon Drake. I like watching him. I like him and Josh Jacobs together. I think that'll be a nice nice group. Josh right. Jacobs has had some injury issues, so I, I mean, go with the two-back system sometimes. Anyways, on to 8 o'clock, Dan. 8 o'clock delight. Philip Lindsay, he's heading to free agency. The Broncos rescind their restricted free agent tender on the uh, running back, who had back-to-back 1,000 yards to start, their se- start his career. But, Mark, it just seems like the Broncos were never into Philip Lindsay. I think this has to also do with Lindsey wanting out. Mike McCartney, his agent, said that they came to an agreement. If that's what that means, they signed Mike Boone, who they like from the Vikings. Philip Lindsey, 611 touches in his career, 3,000-plus yards, a West favorite, zero fumbles. Someone's going to get a good player here. Kicker corner, Matt Prater, heading to the Cardinals. Prater! He was at the Lions most recently, and uh, he's had a nice, solid NFL career. Listen, I had a bit of a unsavory um, meeting with him uh, on media day way back in 2013 when he was with the 49ers. He was wearing a, an earring in one ear and, and seemed to be thinking he was the coolest guy in, in the building. Probably wasn't, but I'm putting that in the past. Okay? Matt Prater's had a great career, and now he's got a, a good job here at the Cardinals. Seven Ryan years. Suckup. Seven years in Detroit. Oh, Ryan Suckup also re-signed to the Bucks. No comment. I mean, they, it's the first time they haven't had a new kicker in about seven years, so that's good. That's good. All right, up next, Larry Ogajobi. Heading to the Bengals from the Browns. Mark, how you feel about this? Uh, good player, but I would say really streaky. We'll do something really interesting and then kind of fade away, and so the Bengals are hoping for the better version of that. All right, Tim Boyle. Signs of the Detroit Lions as a backup quarterback. Get excited, Greg. 
Every everyone that covers the Packers is convinced Tim Boyle's awesome, and the fans too. And he did look good in the camp. I, I immediately saw like, oh, he'll beat out Jared Goff. So I, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Tim see the Boyle next Matt Flynn. Um, His nickname is Human Victory Cigar. <laughs> Gross. Finally, uh, Jared Goff. The t- excuse me, Jared Cook, the tight end. Most recently with the Saints. He's bounced around, obviously. Now with the Chargers. That seems like a nice landing spot. I mean, he always he always puts up numbers, and he always does one or two things that drives you crazy. Kyle Rudolph, also to the Giants. So I guess it's like sign your, you know, next tier of tight ends day. That's where we're at. And that is it. Anything else anybody wants to add there? No. That is 8 o'clock delight, everybody. Ricky tells me Kyle Rudolph to Giants. We just said that. <laughs> we hey. literally just said that. It was the last item of 8 o'clock delight. She hey. now writes in the uh, chat client, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> the level of discourse in that room is just, um, it's incredible. All right. Um, that's it for podcast this week. We gave you a four in four days. You could not be more prepared to have a water cooler chat. If water coolers still exist in the future, I don't know if they do. In a world uh, post pandemic, will things like water coolers melt away? Let's save that for a little deeper in the off season. Okay. Save it for the post pandemic podcast. Mm, that sounds like a nice podcast. Uh, tomorrow, though, we continue uh, with our content creation when the Around the NFL broadcast uh, rolls back onto. NFL Network airwaves, and we'll have kind of a look back at the week that was in addition to any late-breaking news that occurs over the next 24 hours. So make sure you check that out, set your DVRs. And I I do hear some rumblings, some potential uh, talk about uh, decision-makers gathering, huddling, discussing how do we get this program to our U.K. audience. Uh, Just just percolations. There is an NFL uh, Sky Sports channel out there now. Uh, and it, it just it feels like a marriage that needs to happen now. It's all over your, you know, potentially you get Sky Sports. You could be all over Europe. You could be in Asia even. Right? We, you know, let's get let's this get thing to, worldwide. Let's get to Asia. Yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah. our goal. You know, we we are not a we're not tied down by a national boundary. And you we know, it's operated in multiple countries. I wished uh, yesterday. I wished our Irish listeners a happy St. Patrick's Day. Did it on Twitter as well. You know, I have Irish heritage, so it's near and dear to my heart. And I uh, was then told by someone on Twitter, and I'll accept it as fact, come to Ireland, you will sell out any arena. So just keep that. Uh, let's sell out Slane Castle. Let's go for Let's go bigger. I don't know. But I would love uh, I would love uh, to see the Around the NFL podcast travel the world in a post-pandemic uh, scenario. So maybe that will happen. Get up there to the Emerald Isle is one place. Let's get on it, Burke, if you, if you made it this far. All right. Good <laughs> stuff. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, again uh, for listening. We sincerely appreciate your support uh, through the years. This is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood. Till Friday on the television. Heat the call.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com you never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 